Hello dear listeners and welcome back to another episode of Revival and Extinction. I'm your host Adam Forrester and for this episode we're going to talk about Five Nights at Freddy's which is a 2023 American supernatural horror film based on the video game franchise of the same name created by Mr. Scott Cawthorn. This film was directed by Emma Tammy, who co-wrote the screenplay with Cawthorn, Seth Cutterback from a story by Cawthorn, Chris Lee Hill and Tyler McIntyre. The film stars Josh Hutchison as a troubled security guard who accepts a nighttime job at an abandoned family entertainment center where he discovers its four animatronic mascots come alive and are prone to murder people. So this will be a spoiler-free episode because as of recording, the film only dropped two days ago. Uh, at least in Australia, we got nice and early on October 25th, 2023, and it was also released in that day to the United Kingdom, and the States got it two days later, October 27th. Uh, we got it in cinemas over here, and it also streamed on Peacock to our lovely US listeners. So this was a film that went in development for a long, long time. Um started off talks back in April 2015, uh, sat with a couple of studios. Chris Columbus was down to direct at one point before Blumhouse Productions picked it up. Uh, cinematography was done by Lynn Moncrief and music by the Newton Brothers and ended up being distributed by Universal Pictures. So the first half of this is going to be spoiler free. Uh, then we'll put some music in the middle and have a spoiler talk after that because there are lots of things that I want to talk about particularly with the plot in relation to this movie however um, coming out with that spoiler free wall you this this film they really tried to do a lot of different things um, because of the varying age range of the fan base of Five Nights at Freddy's in particular uh, so, like I've mentioned on the podcast before, uh, go back to my Five Nights at Freddy's 1 episode in which I covered the first iteration of the game on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I, when I when I latch onto a franchise, I consume everything, hence the podcast. Um, so, I've read the books, I've played all four games of the mainline series, played Sister Location, played Security Breach. Um, there's only one game... I guess in the series that I haven't touched too much, uh, which is the VR one, and I, it's got a very detailed, intricate plot um, there that it doesn't really meet with the movie, which is fine. Um, but it's more the varying range of the audience because you've got people like my nine-year-old son that plays it, and me as a thirty-five-year-old man playing it. So where does that sit in terms of a movie that they want to be popular? So you're going to be sitting between your PG and your MA or your your R in the US classification system. Um, and this movie kind of tried to do both and that kind of made it fail in both. Um, that being said, I've watched this and my nine-year-old son has not watched this, for which I'm grateful because there is... A couple of a couple of really scary scenes and the way they kind of avoided it got an M rating so that sits in the middle here in Australia which is recommended for ages 15 and under 15 and over sorry um, but it's not restricted to it like your teen might be 
up north. Um, so there is graphic violence and gore. However, there's no blood in those scenes. So, for example, and this is a very, very slight spoiler, someone dies in the movie and they get chopped in half um, by Freddy's head. Freddy bites them in half. Uh, you actually see the bottom half of the body fall to the ground from the top end view, missing missing its half, but it's that quick, you don't see anything. Um, there's no blood spray and there's nothing like that. And another violent scene, Chica's cupcake mauls someone in the movie. Um, again, you don't see it per se. Um, it's kind of off screen and there's no blood, but you do see the dead bodies after the fact as well. So it really pushes that line between being suitable for a child that plays these games, which have jump scares, and they're rated at that same parental guidance or mature level for depending on the game itself. Um, so they sit well within the ra- the realm that children are going to play these. And the movie tried to make itself available for adults and children and just kind of failed on both ends. Um, so in terms of its expectation, at least, it wanted to make around $50 million, um, And that was its budget. So... Talking to someone in film, films need to make, I think it was 1.5 back. Uh, so on opening night, it made 39.4 million. So it nearly made that budget back in one day. And I'm guessing estimates have it at about 78 million. So it's very, very close to meeting that 1.5. Well, it's, it's met the 1.5 target that it needs to meet to be produced for a se- sequel. And one of the characters has signed on for a three-picture deal um, with Blumhouse. So I'm guessing that it will continue. However, there needs to be some changes because the overall, without being a fan of this franchise, you aren't going to want to see this movie. This, As a horror movie, this movie sucks. As a horror movie. As a Five Nights at Freddy's movie, it's quite good. I would only recommend it to fans. I wouldn't recommend it to fans of the overall horror genre going into it expecting masterpieces like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the early screams, nothing of that level of psychological intensity and gore and jump scares and tenseness is going to be throughout because they've made it they made it tense at the start. The opening is fantastic, okay? So you see the secu- the security guard before Mike comes on. He is there and he triggers the animatronics to murder him. Um, And he gets murdered and it's very Saw-esque. And that all happens in the first two minutes of the movie and then we waste 35 minutes on Mike and his his dynamics throughout and him getting the job and then so on and so forth. Finding Finding out that the animatronics come to life. And there are some tense moments within that 35 minutes of the film. But then we move into a 20 minute kind of happy-go-lucky, sunny in Philadelphia kind of he thinks things are going to be okay. And then they go to shit, but they don't go to shit in a horror movie way. They go to shit in a kid's horror movie way. So it really jumps throughout with its themes and what it's trying to achieve and who who is this movie actually for. That is my question to the writers and the directors and the producers. Who are you wanting to market this movie for? Because you're trying to market it to two very different demographics and you're not 
doing it. You're not doing a good job. And I think the critical response says that. Um, so this got 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I don't really, don't really put much stock in that. But when you look at something Metacritic, which is more, I guess, aggregate to fans as well, uh, you, you're looking at 33 out of 100. And this is after only four days. Um, but there's still 34 critical reviews and 77 audience reviews. Um, and you're sitting at 33. So you, you, you're hitting it over 50% of your audience kind of waiting there. And it's it's not looking good. Um, I think they are going to make a sequel because of that opening night and the hype and the fans that waited over eight years for for this to occur. Um, and at its core, it does meet that Five Nights at Freddy's ethos. And it was awesome seeing the animatronics uh, come to life. The animatronics were not their behavior as such, but their their presence and the look and the visual effects of them. And the Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria was also... You could tell it was a pizzeria that got closed down in the 80s because a horrific event happened. Like, you could tell that throughout. Um, so I think the visuals overall were done really well, but that's because this is a movie made in 2023. Um, also, banger of a of a soundtrack. Um, they actually got a fan-made song. They reached out to the Living Tombstone uh, to provide the soundtrack for this. So this is a, a YouTube fella who has made a heck of a lot of media about Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm talking music, whole albums dedicated to the themes of the songs throughout um, that have come through. And he's created whole albums on the different the different games and what they mean to him. Um, his One of his songs, Five Nights at Freddy's 1, uh, which will be our interlude before we get to the spoiler war, um, is an absolute banger uh, in this. And I'm really... So Scott Cawthorn obviously reached out to out to this individual and said, look, your music meets the Five Nights at Freddy's ethos. Can we have it in the movie in the end credits? And there was an end credits kind of teaser there leading on to a sequel movie, which I feel was really well done as well. So overall, yeah, look, I'm going to give this 4 out of 10 overall because um, it's a crap horror movie by all means. But being able to see Five Nights at Freddy's come to the big screen and at its core have its, have its very basic core there um, and have these characters come on the screen that I've seen and played with for a number of years... Um, was a great experience. Would I watch it again? No. Would I watch the sequel? Hell yes. Um, so that's basically my my thoughts overall on the movie. Um, good visuals, good music, story was something to be lacking. So now, dear listeners, that is it for us. If you want to leave us spoiler free, um, again, I'm going to play Living Tombstone's track in between our spoiler wall and then we're going to come back and dive into the intricacies of the plot there so if you are leaving for now thank you very much for listening uh, this is Revival and Extinction the links to our Discord kindly provide through the Steam Machine Network will be in the show notes of this episode when it drops 
Um, also, if you could leave me a review on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, that would be much appreciated. And thank you to those who wanted the spoiler free experience. And I'm going to sing you guys out to the Living Tombstones track, Five Nights at Freddy's 1. For those joining me for the spoiler conversation, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. We're back with the story discussion. All right, so first off, Matthew Lillard, great actor, loved him as Shaggy. It was so obvious in this first portrayal that he wasn't just a career counsellor. Movies stop casting famous actors in roles, minor roles that you know they're going to be picked up and seen as the bad guy. You could tell that he was William Afton right away. Um, so that's a big negative on, on the starting front. Although positive, Josh Hutchison as Mike, amazing. Um, absolutely amazing. Abby's actor, amazing. Really cool how they got her to talk spirit-wise uh, with this. 
being able to commune with the spirits, I guess, and psychically link them through their drawings. Um, and overall, I feel like it followed the plot of the children being murdered by William and then wanting to re-engage more children in there. Um, and that's that's basically all the positives I have for the story of this film. Um, getting deep, deep into the lore. A prevailing theme is family dynamic. And introducing Vanessa was really cool this early. Um, I think she was originally in a, a security guard. Again, I haven't played Help Wanted. Um, so her transition to Vanny... I'm not really all over. Um, I feel like we will see her as Vanny after going into her coma at the end of the film. Um, and we will see Vanny in number two. Or Vanessa portraying herself with her split personality of Vanny. And continuing William's murderous spree. However, not having Mike related to William at all. Um, really goes against what I... Personally, what I think... Um, the ethos or one of the prevailing themes in Five Nights at Freddy's actually is which is family because Mike is dealing with this duality of losing his younger brother like he did in the film although he was named Evan um, in the games how Evan was killed by Freddy back in the 80s and he was one of the children he was portrayed by he was Golden Freddy um, in the movie first and then oh yeah what's with what's with not having much presence in Golden Freddy because there was five kids we watched this through Peacock uh, my wife and I we're like there's five kids but there's only four animatronics is the fifth kid the fucking cupcake um no fifth kid so you got Freddy Chica Foxy uh the bunny and <laughs> I can't believe I lost the bunny's name um and then Golden Freddy um so the fifth kid was Golden Freddy who was the I guess, mangled animatronic who went to capture Mike's sister uh, from their household and killed the aunt. Um, that was weird. We, we seriously thought, imagine imagine that. Imagine being killed by a serial killer to be put into an animatronic cupcake. How fucked would that be? The rest of your friends, they're, they're walking around. They've got animatronics. You're stuck in Chica's hand and you can fly off and eat people's faces and that's all you can do. Um, regardless of the portrayal, the cupcake was fucking amazing. It was, it scared the shit out of me. I'm like, this thing's going to go through the vent and eat this guy's face. And that's exactly what it did. So, but I think the family dynamic of Mike not knowing or having the option to continue with his father, continue with William to try and use the spirits of the children to bring Ethan back to life, which is in the games, what the what the prevailing goal of William is. In in the movie, it seemed like he was just a serial killer, um, and Vanessa was used to lure the children when she was a child. To, and it seemed like William was just an ongoing serial killer. Um, however, William's motivations in the games and the out, outer media of the whole franchise center around bringing Evan back to life because he in Five Nights at Freddy's 4 they're just the manifestations of his nightmares of William creating the animatronics and him being exposed to them at such a young age and the the mangles are his nightmares in Five Nights at Freddy's 4 and then we skip forward to Five Nights at Freddy's 1 um, in which Evan has already been killed um, because Mike's an adult by then and Mike 
and that that caused the breakdown of his family because William, in by the time we hit Five Nights at Freddy's two, uh, Williams put him in place again. He, again, he's the career counselor who put Mike at Freddy's Pizzeria, but Mike knows, and the four, the four children originally uh, were Mike's friends when he was a child, and he was the one that kind of put Evan up to putting his head in Freddy's mouth like a lion. And that ended up decapitating him. And Mike feels a lot of guilt around that. So he kind of has to fight with that guilt constantly about whether he's going to actually work with William, capture the children, put them in animatronics, and use that as the research about how to then link their souls back to a body to make a new body for Evan. Um, So I feel like they really missed a big mark by making Vanessa... William's daughter and having Mike have completely different set of parents, a different brother. There was it wasn't even Evan. You know what I mean? Um, so I guess that was a big misstep. But again, that's that's got Cawthorn's prerogative. Um, I'm not too sure what he was going for. I don't know where the plot would have been too complex or too cheesy, even seen. But I think it would have been a good twist. Although Mike would have recognised his own father at the very start. I don't know. There's a lot of complexities there. Um, However, I feel like they really made a misstep kind of there with the plot overall. Um, I did like how they kind of reached out to the fans. Um, They brought in a YouTuber whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, He'd done a lot of work and he actually got a cameo as a tax driver. Uh, Corey Cross Kenshin, uh, Corey X Kenshin, I know, oh, it's, Corey, what are you doing, man? It's a Hunter, Hunter X Hunter all over again, um, or DXD all over again. Uh, check out Steam Machine podcast episode on, uh, Phasmophobia Revisit to get that reference. Um, so I'm glad that they'd reached out to certain fans or I guess popular YouTubers again whether that was just to draw fans in because they were looking for that younger audience um, I know Markiplier expressed some interest about wanting to be in the movie but he wasn't approached um, to do it however yeah so I just feel they've made a major misstep with the plot this time around I don't mind if they want to do an alternative universe kind of thing I did like Coming to it without knowing the base plot, um, it was still pretty good. Like, using Vanessa as a child to kidnap the children and have it as a serial killer. And yeah, like, Springtrap's obviously going to come back um, because he was in the yellow bunny suit. And that kind of played out as we see in Five Nights at Freddy's 3, where the spirits of the children overcame William's hold on them and dragged him down to the basement. So, we've kind of come full circle in a lot of bits. Um... And overall, I think as a video game adaptation, it's decent overall. Uh, but again, as a horror, it's just pure fucking trash, man. You would not, as a, as a, I'm not a horror aficionado by any sense. And the games, I don't feel reach into that horror too much. They do use jump scares, of which there were a couple during the movie. But I'm the biggest cat out there when it comes to scary stuff in video games. And in the movie, I didn't like, I didn't drop it all. Uh, the the music did make it tense at moments, but you could e- it easily forecasted who was going to die. Obviously, the people that came in and didn't have any connection to the animatronics were going to die quite straight up. Um, 
And the cupcake had the highest body count from what I could see. Which, good on you, Cupcake. Um, also, Balloon Boy was in there as a cameo, which was pretty cool. But, and I thought, I, I was hoping against hope that they would make Abby uh, either Circus Baby or Ballora in that whatever the animatronic was in there. I didn't catch it quick enough to work out which one it was. It was either Circus Baby or Ballora. Um, and I was really hoping that they would fail and turn her into that because, again, that's part of William and Mike's trauma bonding in because they're the last. They're the last ones of their family. Um, the, the the other siblings have either been killed or turned into animatronics. Um, so it really, yeah, they, they could have done so much. And I know it was probably development hell that caused it to be that way. Um, but again, if Cawthorn was on this the whole time... Um, Again, his prerogative, his story, he's made a lot of great stories and a lot of people have taken his works and made further great stories from it. Um, so I guess I just don't know where the direction of the film series wants to go. And it left me really confused coming out of this film. Um, I'm not going to watch it again, like I said before in the main pod. Um, however, I am going to watch the sequel because I am still interested about how it goes. So that concludes Five Nights at Freddy's. Thank you all for joining me for this being Revival and Extinction. Uh, you can find me anywhere on where podcasts live, obviously, because you're listening to this. Again, head on over to the Discord where all the cool people live. Uh, I also have a link tree which basically has all the links you could ever want for anything I do. So, once again... This is Revival Instinction, and this is Adam Forrester signing off.